When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do the Raptors finally have what it takes to beat the Cavs? Are the Bucks making progress? What is up with the Wizards and the rest of the East? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show. Very excited to bring on Dave Dufour to talk a little bit on our New Year's Day uh, slate of games and questions, whatever else you have to uh, ask us and talk about. So, Dave, how's it going tonight? It is, uh, yeah, it's going really well. Not a bad start to the to the new year. We actually had some really entertaining basketball tonight. Had we, a couple of OT games. It was fun. Yeah. And a really happy new year to everybody out there. Uh, perhaps a quick sound check to make sure we're sounding and looking as good as possible. It looks like everyone is happy with what's going on in the Periscope. So if nothing's, if it's not, we're protesting out a new technology here, but it looks like it's working well. So uh, welcome. Let's jump right in here because uh, we have some things you want to talk about. I think you want to get, get, get some stuff off your chest, it sounds like, more than anything. <laughs> well, that makes it sound like it's a negative. This is actually a positive. Um... Man, the Toronto Raptors are good. Yeah. That's that's my statement. That's my statement. Uh, man, they are good. I really like what Toronto's doing. Um, I'm very impressed with with Dwayne Casey and, and the coaching staff and the changes they have made. Seems like every single gripe you and I had about the team last year, they've addressed. Abaka's getting a lot more time at the five. I mean, Valanchunas has actually been pretty good this year. Uh, Pascal Siakam has been a revelation. Obviously, uh, OG Ananobi has just been incredible as a rookie. And uh, most of all, Kyle Lowry has been Kyle Lowry in fewer minutes. And DeMar DeRozan has been the better version of DeMar DeRozan that you and I hoped for on this podcast all last season. He has, he has replaced some, uh, some of these long twos with more threes and it's paying off for his efficiency. He's taking fewer shots. He's actually, I think he's averaging a career high in assists. His playmaking just looks incredible. He's really being patient. DeMar DeRozan should be the starting two guard in, in the All-Star game, I think. I mean, like if the All-Star game start, was today, that would be my selection for, for two guard. I'd take him over Oladipo. He's been that good. I, I've been really impressed. I've never been happier to have been wrong about a player. I, I knew he was a hard worker. So, like, that, the work ethic wasn't something I ever questioned. I'm a guy with that kind of footwork, and he always improves in some area of the game. But he reworked his game. I mean, I, I don't know if people realize how difficult it is to change the, the areas on the court where you operate. And he, he really did basically take his game about three steps back from where it normally starts. So... Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm really happy to have been wrong. 
Oh, yeah. Well, let's go through some numbers because I, I just did a video on the Raptors and their new offense, and it was it was a revelation. It was really exciting because they're just getting a lot more of those possessions where the ball is flying around the perimeter more. Uh, and, and I think what you said was right about DeMar DeRozan. He is going into the, to those forays into the lane, but then looking to kick, which is a whole new thing for him. And even if it's not, he's getting one assist per game more, which is a pretty big jump, uh, especially at that position. But it's also like the secondary assist. And it's the, the passes per game has jumped up, I think, 20 or 25 more per game, which is another huge jump. And what I like about it is that DeRozan must have noticed that in the, in the beginning of the year, or he must have realized that this, is, this was going to directly affect his scoring uh, average. It's gone down three points. But he's shooting better, and you're right, he's shooting 33% from three on three attempts per game. Nothing that exciting. But the other uh, interesting thing here is, is how much um, Toronto or how much Lowry has sacrificed. He is down to 16 points a game, and he's not shooting well at all, at least from, from two-point range. That's lower. And his three-point percentage is is 38%, which is pretty good. So those are the two guys who, are, uh, who have really decided to sacrifice and take a lot less shots. I didn't think it was possible, to be honest with you. I didn't think Casey was going to be able to do it, but he's been quoted. We heard him in some podcasts saying, like, yes, this was a decision we wanted to make, and we went to the players, and it wasn't random. It just, it, you know, like we hoped it would happen. They made it a, a, a focus for them, and it's really worked. Yeah, and, and it should be noted that DeMar Rosen actually scored 52 points tonight, um, took 29 shots from the field, and was 13 and 13 from the free throw line. So uh, he still can get buckets. Wait, that's not that's not an issue. Um, this team is just I don't know. They're well built. Their small ball lineup with Ibaka at the five, which I think is the position he should be playing mostly, is actually a lot of fun. I think they match up with any team in the East. And to be fair, I actually think that they're real contenders for real this time to uh, to knock off Cleveland in the East. I can't believe I'm saying that, but their offense is just generating better looks more consistently. So unless something happens where they just completely abandon this offense, I think that this is real. You and I talked about this during the playoffs last year. One of the big problems that they had with that, that clogged toilet offense that they ran was that they would generate these really, really tough looks. And in the playoffs when, you know, the defenses are tighter and all this other stuff, they're just, that doesn't work. So yeah. Um, Right. And I know you, you're ahead of me on this one. Well, here's the thing is we've, we've been talking about this for a while, for several years, but the argument has always been from the Raptors fans that they were ranked sixth in offensive rating last year, and they were ranked high the year before. So it's like, how can you say that they needed to work on their offense? But like you just said, the shots that are generated that, are, that they make in the regular season against the bottom 20 defenses do not go in nearly as often against Cleveland or, or uh, when, the, when the stakes are higher and the pressure is higher and Cleveland actually decides to play some defense, which they are want to do when they're playing in the playoffs. So, But you're right. This is now a whole new thing. The one thing we do need to check is what's going on with them as far as uh, transition because two things about Cleveland if you want to beat them. A, you need to run and run as much as absolutely possible. And then one of the ways to do that is obviously forcing turnovers, but then just running. Uh, and then B, you need to have someone that can at least make LeBron work a little bit. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue they have. Now, Anunobi, I, I know you mentioned Siakam, but um, 
I think Anunobi's been the revelation. This kid has got an eight-foot wingspan and has been starting and shooting elite from three-point range. Uh, he's not ready. He's a rookie. He's never going to get a call. He'll foul out in six minutes playing against LeBron in the playoffs. But um, at the very least, they have another guy they plug in, kind of like Siakam did last year. But he, I think Anunobi's already ready to surpass him and be a really legitimate player going forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Anunobi is the guy that pops into my head when you talk about how they're going to deal with LeBron. And, like, deal with LeBron. I mean, we've only seen two guys be able to actually guard LeBron, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, before anyone, like, quotes me on this and is like, oh, Dave said that OG Anunobi was going to shut down LeBron James. No, you don't shut down LeBron James. What you do is you throw body after body after body after him, and you hope that you can just slow him up. That's it. You know, LeBron is going to get his, and other people are going to get theirs because of LeBron. But if you can slow him down and make it difficult, hopefully you wear him out, especially in a seven-game series. So um, I think OG Ananobi looks – I mean, he's definitely got the body for it. Uh, let's see what happens. I think Ibaka does an okay job when he gets switched on on LeBron. They have some interesting options there. I, I like Siakam as well. Um, you know, so let's see. C.J. Miles can even, you know, spend some time on LeBron. It, it's, again – that's not ideal, but it's another body. It's another guy. Um, <laughs> not ideal. On, let's not yes. ideal, but it's another body. Right. Um, so, but let's talk about the other team that was involved in tonight's game, the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, because they have a special place in our heart. But wait, can I we just throw in the transition them. numbers real quick for Toronto? Absolutely. Okay, Toronto is sixth in the transition in points per possession, uh, which is great. And now the only question I want to check while we're talking right now is how often they're breaking. Uh, tenth, they, they break 15.5% of their possessions, which is ranked 10th. The Lakers, for instance, are first. The, the 20% of the time is when they're running. So that's good. That Those are all positive signs for the Raptors as far as being able to run and then making that an issue uh, against the Cavs. You only have to wait till January 11th to see the Raptors play the Cavaliers. And a great way to enjoy this big game is to make a home-cooked meal from Blue Apron and enjoy it while they're playing. They're the number one fresh ingredient delivery service in the country, making incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. I know I'm not alone in my disdain for having to go shopping for food at the supermarket. And I swear, half the produce I buy goes bad before I cook it. Blue Apron eliminates that by delivering the food right to your door with each ingredient measured exactly and easy-to-follow recipes that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. You'll never have a recipe repeated within a year, and they can customize them to your liking. Plus, the delivery schedule is tailored to your calendar. I just made their Chile butter steaks with lemon parmesan broccoli and potatoes, and my whole family was giving me high fives the entire meal. The best part of all is that you can save $30 off your first meal by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick. That includes free shipping, so what are you waiting for? Head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick, save $30, and find out what it's like to cook and eat incredible home-cooked meals. Blue Apron. It's what's for dinner. Oh, wait. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Yeah. So uh, the Bucks. Uh, this team holds a special place in both of our hearts. We, okay. we love Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, and someone's going to knock me for my pronunciation of that. but uh, Or at least I do. Uh, we love the roster construction. We like all these guys that are between 6'7 and 6'10, multi-positional, can switch everything. 
but they don't. And and therein lies the problem. Now they have they have improved in the last three weeks. We've seen them win more games, but they still lost to Chicago twice in that span. Um, this team, uh, like, they're so tricky to figure out. Their offense somehow tonight put up 127 points. I mean, they went into overtime, but still, they're scoring the basketball. But I cannot quite figure out how they're doing it because <laughs> there is absolutely no operating space on the floor. Uh, I watched Matthew Dellavedova dribble down. Uh, first of all, he takes seven seconds to get the ball up court, meaning past half court, almost every time he has it. So already you're starting at a time disadvantage. And then he dribbles to the elbow where he proceeds to not quite back down to the defender, but just turning like a defensive dribbling stance and, and look for someone at the other elbow. And uh, I watched him dribble there for about 11 or 12 seconds before he finally found Thon Maker in the corner, tightly contested, where he had to chuck a three end of shot clock. That's just not good offense. Della Vadova, when he was on the court, um, twice in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, he threw uh, terrible lobs to, to uh, Brogdon. Um, I saw him drive a, cut across the lane from the elbow uh, and throw a pass to Giannis and then proceed to stand in his way. Um, <laughs> And I'm not I'm not meaning to just single out Delhi, but Delhi just played so much in crunch time, and when I was really really locked in on it, and um, yeah, man, their offense they still just don't do anything. Middleton's too much in the mid range, and you know somehow like like we've been saying, the only team I can think of that plays four shooters and Giannis or a no guy space. like Giannis right. and has no space. Yeah. Now, again, they're ninth in the league in offensive ratings, so there's this weird disconnect where people are going to argue, top 10 offense, that's good enough for them. Uh, but you're right, I, and we've talked about this before. Uh, there are just some real issues with the way they run their offense. That said, they did have a nice wrinkle they added. I showed it on Twitter the other day where they're going to the corner. Uh, you know, They would normally dribble to the wing and then throw to the high post, the elbow area, and then they do their split. Now they're throwing it to the corner and doing a sort of a pseudo triangle-ish little thing with a ball screen and uh, at a flash in the middle. Um, but like a guy like Eric Bledsoe just doesn't have the patience or focus to like run it the way it works for them every time. So they they were getting a nice action where they would hit Henson at the at the, at the uh, free throw line, and then Bledsoe was supposed to cut kind of like back door off them in a blind pig like triangle. He did it once, they got a great shot, and then he wouldn't do it again. It was almost like, well, we did it once, we can't possibly do that progression again, even though it worked. And they were still getting decent shots, but I, but Bledsoe is a guy who was very frustrating to me. And I feel like, you know, here's a guy who had 29 points. You know, he was very efficient, shot really well from three, uh, four steals, three assists. But there's just something about, like, the other possessions that aren't doing the positive stuff that drive me nuts, almost in that Russell Westbrook way. And I'm worried that in the playoffs there's going to be moments where he's going to present the game to the opposition because of it. Uh, Yeah, um, Bledsoe tonight just seemed to disappear for large stretches. Like to the point where I had to like check to see who was in the game, like online, because I was just like, wait, man, I haven't seen Bledsoe do anything. Um, You know, he, he wasn't really getting good touches despite, you know, actually playing. Okay. (laughs) Um, I mean, he shot, shot the ball really well, but like toward the end of that game, he just wasn't around. So um, I'm with you. It's his, his game is sort of up and down and, it's, it's another one of those things that I talked about before they traded for him. I'm always worried when you've got a guy like Giannis, I want the ball in his hands 
as much as possible, which is one of my arguments about Delhi. Like I thought Delhi maybe was going to wind up being a good a good signing when they when they signed him because my you know my thought was like most people okay so he's going to be a spot up guy around Giannis point Giannis or whatever uh, and that hasn't really happened. Whenever Delhi's out there, the ball seems to be in his hands. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I think maybe this is still the feeling out process, and he's getting to know the guys and all that stuff. It does take a while to build chemistry. Um, so hopefully, we see an improvement. I want to see this Bucks team in the playoffs. I, as a matter of fact, I'd love to see Toronto and Milwaukee have another series. You know, uh, this this new Toronto offense, and then you know this this uh, one year uh, more mature. Bucks team. I'd love to see what happens. Sure. Uh, the Bucks right now, they're sixth in the Eastern Conference, although I'm not sure this is updated from tonight, 19 and 16. Um, let's see here. It looks like it is. Um, and so that's, that's sixth place. You know, they're a game and a half in front of the uh, – or two games – sorry. They are a game in front of the eighth-place Pacers. So they're kind of firmly ensconced in that playoff hunt. So I don't think that they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they're going to make it for sure. Um, the only question I had was, and we said this earlier on Twitter, was uh, you know if they do for some reason hit a bad patch, go below 500. I, I don't. I mean, I know you think that they don't. They're not going to get rid of Jason Kidd, but there's no question it's going to be an interesting um, section of the season if that happens. But then certainly if they don't, if they lose in the first round, for instance. I don't know. That might be enough cause for concern uh, as it's exposed where that maybe the offense wasn't, isn't working. It's not generating good enough shots for a seven-game series against a team that's well-prepared for you. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But there's no question that it would be a really fun – you know, any, any series with Giannis is going to be a really fun series because you know he's going to have games where he gets 35, 38 points and affects the whole thing and could win the whole thing by himself. So – We'll have to wait and see how that plays out, but uh, yeah, they're they're on their way. We'll have to see. Uh, this can go one. It can go either way for me right now. Right. Yeah, I I still am in the camp that that kid is probably not going to get fired, bar, barring something just insane, um, because of his relationship with with ownership. And I don't even know if a first round loss gets you there because it depends on who they lose to. I think you know yeah. maybe if they're if they're the four seed and they lose to the five seed, um, or if somehow they're the third seed. I mean. Think about this, man. Like they have, they have one of the top five players in the NBA. I mean, or, or at least top seven. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're talking about Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. Oh, he's, he's in that. He's in that top yeah. tier, maybe the second tier of players. Yeah. And they are currently nineteen and sixteen. And there's an argument to be made that they they are definitely underperforming. Yeah. You know, if they have a, if they have a coach. Who is league average? Are they what twenty-two and thirteen? You know wow. what I mean. Like, you get what I'm saying. Like, how much of a difference is that making? Um, you know, we we have we've poked fun at Jason Kidd calling for the foul up four. Um, oh yeah, and and you know, like I've now just started calling it kidding. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so you know, I I just think the whole thing is kind of. I don't know. It's sad. Is it sad or is it just it is what it is? I, it, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. I, and I'm not advocating for the guy to get fired. Right. My hope is you have a situation like like we see with Hoiberg, who I would like to talk about, um, and Dwayne Casey, where, you know, the, the franchise, the, the front office, they stuck with these guys, gave them a chance to to do what they, you know, what they wanted to do. And with Dwayne Casey, he completely just revamped and reinvented himself as a coach, which says a lot about his character as a person, by the way. Uh, I mean, which I don't even think I need to explain. Um, 
And, and you know, maybe kid turns it around. You know, maybe they maybe they bring in a veteran assistant uh, yeah. during the summer or something like that. It depends, though, like how much does the organization believe in kid? And you'd have to think with his relationship there that they probably believe in him quite a bit. I, I don't know, man. Like, I always just want these guys to figure it out. Right. Yeah, I, I hear you. And by the way, Casey, what I was reading about it for the coaches out there, when they would practice, they would give they would uh, something like it was, it was four points for a three point shot, and then like you know two points for a shot at, at the basket, and then like one point for any shot they made in the mid range. I think that something like that, which I thought was really interesting, because it really forces you when you're scrimmaging, you know, you're not going to take those mid range shots. You're gonna, and that's probably helped DeRozan and those guys and spread the floor more. So an interesting uh, you know thing you can take away if you're a coach out there wanting to run your program. So. Uh, so let's jump over to some questions while we have them here over yeah, on uh, Periscope. I know we have one from Kevin Foley who wanted to ask, uh, what kind of offense does Scott Brooks run with the Wizards? And it does prompt that question or that, that discussion we've had in the past. We can do very quickly in the notion of, you know, Brooks's offense at OKC versus what it is now. Um, I quickly checked while we were talking about how many passes they make per game, and I was shocked that it was so low. They're very they're in the bottom five in passes per game, even though and but they don't isolate that much. It feels like it's a lot of lot more movement and cutting and passing to me than it used to be. Certainly, what you saw in OKC. What are you seeing on offense for the Wizards? Well, so the Wizards, I mean, they're running quite a bit of spread pick and roll. I mean, that that's their bread and butter, and that's where John Paul get uh, John Paul John Wall gets guys paid. And, um, you know, he finds guys in the corner. I think maybe one of the reasons why their passing is so low is because it's typically they're running that pick and roll and there's one pass for a shot, either to the cutter or to the corner. Um, and then obviously the transition stuff. So um, I'm not really shocked that their passing numbers are, are low. Um, I do think passes per game are, is usually an indicator of good offense. But they actually have, I mean, when you've got John Wall, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of your offense, and, and it's actually pretty good. He's a great passer, and, I mean, how many, how many guys have gotten paid just by standing in the corner on his teams? Yeah, especially from three. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a, he's such a good passer from that. Uh, and he was injured. He's coming back. They're now five games above 500 in fifth place. Um, it's a, that, the whole Eastern Conference, by the way, is a little strange to me because the Pacers are really surprising with them now. They've leveled off. They've lost four in a row, and now they're, they're above 500 barely. Uh, the Heat kind of out of nowhere sort of are coming back into the picture here. The Knicks have dropped off to 500. So, and then certainly the Sixers, which was a nice story and good surprise earlier, and they were well above 500 and now two games below and really struggling. So um, this Eastern Conference thing, I can't quite figure it out. Can you? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of injuries. Um, the Embiid uh, back situation kind of kind of took the Sixers out of it a little bit. That and the league catching up to Ben Simmons a little bit. Everyone now is dropping back on him, and he's still not shooting jumpers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's a thing. Um, with the Knicks, I think a little bit of the Porzingis not having uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and the league catching up to Michael Beasley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. or, I think Oladipo, Michael Beasley catching up to Michael Beasley. Yeah, Oladipo's been a little banged up. Um, the Heat maybe were a little bit worse early in the season than they actually are. You know, I think that a lot of this stuff is is easy to figure out. The the tough one for me is that the Hornets are they're a half game behind the Nets right now huh. in the standings. They are. Where are they? There it's they Duncan are. Duncan Smith. Uh, 
of b-ball breakdown for for throwing that stat out there earlier because um that was something that like you realize that the hornets are not playing well but you don't realize how poorly they're playing until you put it into that sort of perspective um so yeah i i think that you know that that six through eight seed in in the east is going to be interesting um you have to think the bucks are gonna are gonna be the sixth seed i guess i don't know yeah uh, I, I think it's a crapshoot. I think the, the, those teams are going to switch and mix and match. We're, we're going to have any idea uh, what that's going to amount to until March, I bet, yeah, or maybe even a little bit later than that, uh, the way it's going. So, uh, and they, By the way, Kevin made a good point here where he's, uh, the Wizards have been using a small ball lineup with Wall, Beal, Oubre, Porter, and Scott. Uh, that's you know in small doses that's pretty fun and Scott has been playing better too since uh, probably his best ball since he's playing in Atlanta and so uh, I, yeah I, he I, actually that, yeah he looks like he's in really good shape and he's sprinting hard to the corner and John Wall's a, a guy that will reward you for that yeah and if I mean if you're gonna run down court he's gonna find you in the corner and you know you're gonna be open because he's gonna suck the defense in with his transition gravity. And he's going to find you for those open buckets. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that a good shooter is is playing really well next yeah. to John Wall. Well, we have a question here from C Red Nation, and he asks, is Nikola Mirotic the best player in the NBA? I, I think I know where he's going with this, but uh, can we see yeah. what his, his point is? Yeah, and actually, you know what? I got a question on Twitter um, that I'll add to this. Uh, someone asking about some, some realistic trade scenarios uh, from Zen Master Mike. Uh, asking about some some Miritich trade scenarios, so we can kind of get into that. Miritich has been really good, and usually in the spring is when we see Miritich looking like a like a real guy. Um, and and you know, I don't know what ha- what happened w- between him and Bobby Portis, but I wonder if uh, if that didn't kind of fire him up a little bit and maybe inspire him to you know come out and actually do what he's doing. Um, or maybe this is just a guy who's now more comfortable in the NBA and. You know, we're seeing that um, being featured a little bit more. I'm not sure, but I definitely think he's going to be on the move. Um, I just see uh, Red Nation said Miritich to the Pelicans. I think that that makes some sense. I really like Miritich to Utah. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, he, he, he could fit well in a bunch of their lineups. Uh, you got any, any Miritich destinations? I don't know. I, I've never been the biggest fan of, of him at all, and it's just still kind of shocking to me that like he comes back in the lineup and then they go on this big tear. I mean, they were six and four in the last ten. I feel like they were they were something like nine and one right when he first came back. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, it was it was incredible. Yeah, so they've leveled off a little bit, which makes sense to me. So uh, I don't know. It, 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 you know, where else would he fit? I mean, you know, he can play small ball for a little bit. It's probably sort of maybe his best place to play because defensively he ain't going to guard threes. Um, I, I just want to look at the five man lineup over the last ten games, which is probably not the most indicative because it's, they've gone this bad stretch. But just kind of peeking at it. So their top two lineups they played in terms of minutes are both under uh, negative net ratings, which is not great. But the first one that's actually positive they used in 10 games in 24 minutes. It's a very small sample, but it's a huge uh, gap that Hoiberg is going to have to look at, which is Jerry and Grant, Justin Holiday, Nikola Miritich, David Nwaba, and Bobby Portis. So that's basically, you know, Portis at center, you know, and Justin Holiday, uh, you know, and, and let's see, 
I guess, Nuwaba and Holiday in the backcourt, and you got Miritich and Grant. It's a really bizarre uh, lineup, but it also has Miritich and, and uh, Portis playing together uh, very well, which I think is fascinating to me as well, having them you know, beat the shit out of each other in practice. Uh, that caused the whole problem in the beginning. Yeah, uh, Portis is like the small ball five has, has really worked out well for them somehow. Um, I mean, you know, you watch, watch the game tonight, and he's very active around the basket, um, especially defensive rebounds. Um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, like the Bulls are such a – it's a mystery how well it's working. I mean, Chris Dunn looks really good, which just goes to show that people like you and me shouldn't write people off after one season. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we did, but, you know, people oh, like I us did. have. I watched Chris oh. Dunn last year and was like, this guy's not an NBA guard. Oh, all right. Well, I never wrote him off just because I liked him a lot uh, at Providence. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's done a good, good job. I don't, I don't know. Like, he's not like a star or anything, like a good player, a rotation player, maybe a starter. Um, Lowry Markinen just continues to do, uh, do, do things to make me look like an idiot, uh, forever doubting that he was going to be good in the NBA. Tonight, I, I watched him hit step-back threes, you know, with a hand in his face like it was nothing. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, so, like, I just think this Hoiberg is doing a really good job with this team. And, and, you know, the players are responding to Hoiberg in a way that we didn't see the last couple of years. And I think that's important. And, um, you know, they just look really good. They look like a cohesive unit. Tonight, you know, they lost in overtime. And, and you know, it was a tricky situation there. Chris Dunn is not really the kind of guy that I would give the ball to in that situation. It, like if Zach Levine was healthy and, and available to play, he would probably be the guy with the ball in that that scenario. You want a guy who wants to score uh, with you know with ten seconds left. Right. And so he was looking to pass. Nurkic made a really good show and recover. And when he sh- when he showed, Dunn had uh, I think it was uh, Shabazz Napier, uh, not quite in jail. And Nurkic got him to stop just long enough for Napier to get in a defensive position and force the air ball. And, you know, um, it was really great defense, great play by Nurkic, but I didn't like Dunn forcing that shot when he wasn't, he never wanted to shoot in the first place. So, right. um, well, know, it's funny that's, because. That's, he, he might not have wanted to shoot that shot in the first place because the game before, in a similar situation, he took a god-awful ISO pull-up, you know, mid-range shot that was forced. And I wonder if he had that in his mind going into tonight's game. Um, and But that's okay. That's the growing pains. I feel like this is a wonderful opportunity for Hoiberg to, like, put these guys out there and let them teach themselves. Let them figure out what's working, what's not. I mean, I want to see Markkinen be able to go to ISO in those situations and be the man down the stretch, too. I don't know. He's not he's, quite ready for that either, but uh, actually, they have some opportunities. I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. He may be. He's actually really, really good with the ball in his hands. Yeah. And he, he he's way faster uh, with the basketball attacking the hoop than than I saw last year at Arizona uh, mm-hmm. or on any of the tape that I saw on him. I didn't, you know, I, I saw him run a little bit of pick and roll. He's actually got some really nice craft there as a ball handler, not just a screener. Yeah. Um, I think he's ready for that. I mean, if you, you know, I, I don't love the ISO in the gameplay, but if you're going to do it, maybe do it with a guy who's a 6'11", you know, three-point bomber, but who can also put the ball on the floor. Maybe that's not a bad decision. Um, it was weird that Miritich wasn't out there to close the game or, or at all in overtime, but you know, it is what it is. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I was trying to re- type a reply while you were talking and, uh, the comment section just disappeared on my, uh, browser. So I can't uh, see any more comments. Do you have any questions you can answer? Uh, 
Uh, apparently, uh, Alfred Payton airballed a floater today because his hair covered his eyes. Um, oh, oh, I man. saw that. I, did I didn't see, see that. Um, but I didn't see the hair covering his eyes. I just saw the floater missing, but I didn't notice the hair. Is, that, is he serious? Uh, apparently. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. I'm going to have to now watch the, oh, i got to watch that game. Yeah. <sighs> well... Um, <laughs> My comments disappeared. I, I refresh and now I see. Ah, here we go. Again, some more coming in here now. So, um, All right. uh, let's. I guess we have time for a couple few more questions here while we're uh, while we're here. Uh, T Boucher three twenty asks, "What are your All Star teams one through 12? Oh my goodness, I don't know if I want to ask that question. Can you get? Can you do that uh, yeah. off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, no. I mean, maybe in the West, I could kind of do in it. In the I West, mean, yeah. The starters, East would take, I would need. Yeah, I would need to work it out. Uh, East starters are – it's probably Kyrie, DeRozan, LeBron. It gets tough after that. I mean, maybe Embiid? Drummond. Oh, yeah, Embiid. May, uh, maybe Simmons, actually. Wow. Maybe Simmons and Embiid. Maybe KP and Embiid. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, like we'll see how the votes go. but uh, Right. Some yeah. version of that, oh, yeah. Man. How crazy, uh, by the way, that would be so much fun to see KP and MB play together in the All-Star game. Oh, yeah. Giannis. How do we oh, forget Giannis? Giannis? Yeah, it'd be uh, Giannis, right. LeBron, Embiid. So there's your there's your right. starting five. Kyrie, yeah. uh, DeRozan, LeBron, Giannis, and Embiid. Embiid, I think yeah. they're going to be the starters. That sounds right to me. And then in the West, in the West it's, it's going to be Harden. You know, Russ could probably do it. I, I, here's the thing. Curry has been out a little bit. I, I don't know, but he's back now, and he, boy, he looked good. So that's going to be an interesting thing if we do Curry, Harden, Russ again. Well, it's, it's fan vote. I, I would guess that it's going to be Curry, Harden. Uh, Did they start last year? Durant. Didn't those three guys or not? I'm forgetting. I think I don't know if Russ started or not. Let me. I'll pull it up. Okay. And then you I mean, have it's not like this. This stuff doesn't really matter. Right. Um, like KD but, is going to start, right? Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. It was Steph, Harden, Durant, Kawhi, Anthony Davis. And, oh. you know, Ka- Kawhi will will probably be voted. Uh, well, I don't know if he'll be voted in or not. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but he's missed a ton of time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who gets voted in. Right. And that's also, you know, it doesn't really mean much because it's it's just a popularity contest and a, a stat stuffing or sorry, right. a vote stuffing thing. Uh, almost as legitimate as our election. No, I'm not going to go there. So, um, all right. We have some other questions we can wrap up with, I think. Uh, let's see. E-World Ivanta asks, Trey Young, Michael Porter or Bagley or the European guy? I'm sure oh, he means Doncic. Luka Doncic. Uh, man, I'm a, I am in love with Trey Young right now. I mean, it's like uh, every game is another love fest with me. So I don't even know. He's not going to go first. Um, right? He just can't. It just won't happen. Yeah. So, no, he won't. But he, man, he's. I don't. He, I don't know if he goes top three. Right. Um, and who knows if he's even going to be good in the NBA? But man, is he good right now? Right. Uh, if you're giving me only those four guys, I'm taking Doncic, and it definitely, uh, as someone just pointed out, it is not close uh, between those between those four guys. Um, but Wait, I, isn't think, I think Porter injured. Ayton, yeah, Porter. He's got the herniated disc issue, but I oh. think that he'll. You know. We'll see how it goes. You know, if his medicals are solid, he 
he probably will still be a top five or six. Um, those those I, back DeAndre issues, Aiden, though, make me nervous. So I think DeAndre Ayton will probably wind up going one because I think it's it's sort of like Odin Durant, and I, I keep saying this over and over again, but it's going to be so hard for an NBA GM to pass up a guy with his you know, physical attributes, you know, just to be that big, um, that strong, that mobile, with that nice of a touch and shot. And, I mean, his post moves are great. The guy is a super polished offensive player. I actually I compared him to Ralph Sampson, which ah. I think maybe you might appreciate that. Like, he's just silky smooth like that. Yeah. Um, got a really nice jump shot. And, um, and, and I, you know, I've watched some of the defensive film on him, and – his rim protection is questionable, but like on the ball, he's actually great in space. He's great, so he can switch and all those things. Um, and and I'm not even convinced that that the rim protection is that big of a problem. We need to see what it looks like at the next level. Sure. And uh, but I think it's going to be really really hard for an NBA GM to pass up on Aiton. Now I would say Doncic, but I'm saying that it my you know my brain says NBA GMs are probably going to be leaning Aiton. Yes. Um, I will say this. I saw some highlights by way of Mo Bamba, and uh, that dude looks like Bill Russell who can shoot threes. <laughs> These are I the love, highlights. I love Mo Bamba, man. So I, I, so I saw uh, him at Hoop Summit. I love how he practices. Okay. Um, the guy goes super hard in practice. got a great work ethic. Also, I sat down and talked to him, and he's just a really like intelligent person and personable. He reminds like, kind of like what you've seen out of Jalen Brown. Um, and I think I think Mo is going to be great, but yeah. I don't know if he's going to do enough in college to to go number one. I know there's a lot of people that really like him though. Yeah, um, I, well, I mean, if he goes somewhere like like if he if Boston has a chance at Mo Bamba, that's just going to be incredible. Sure. All right. Well, let's let's go. Uh, let's run through as quickly as we can a few more of these things. Uh, first of all, Oliver Maroney, our buddy over uh, on on wherever he is. Uh, is uh, all the OKC fans were up in arms because Russ didn't start, which is tr- true. And then C Red Nation reminds us that they changed the voting rules where the fan vote doesn't represent, I think it's 25% of the vote now. So there's a lot more balance between the That's coaches, right. boy, which is really important. So that would that might change everything and, and turn it into a much more worthwhile starting five. Well, so in, in, in which case, Curry is definitely going to be the starting on the starting five. Yeah. I mean, I, as long as he doesn't get injured again, if he finishes out until then, he should have, you know, that should be the, the won't be an issue that he missed those six or seven games. But Which, by the way, I tweeted out a video. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but while he was out in, in those six or seven games, the Warriors were almost last in three-point shooting, which is crazy. And by the way, in the, in the half court, they're only average. They're 15th in three-point percentage in the half court. It's the... Uh, transition threes that they do so well on that propels them to second place in three-point percentage. I don't think I even really understood that until I looked at the numbers uh, the other day. Uh, kind of shocking to me. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I guess it felt that way. You know, I didn't d- dig into the numbers, but it definitely felt that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never seen Clay and KD have so many bad shooting games. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. By the way, I totally forgot the All-Star game is a draft this year. Now, but still, the, the fan, you're still going to vote for the top the, the top 10 guys or whatever. I think the two leading vote-getters are the captains. Oh, they get to pick the starters? And the, No, then they pick their teammates. I forgot about that. They, oh, so I, they pick the I whole, missed this completely. I, you know, I, don't, I never pay attention to the All-Star game anyway. But. but they're not going to televise that part. <laughs> okay. So, 
Um, we got a question uh, for Ty Cheer in in uh, Periscope. Um, what do we think of Kobe Simmons? I actually, I, I'm a big fan of Kobe Simmons. I like Kobe Simmons a lot. Um, I, I think you know. I mean, I, I'm in Tucson, and and he played right here at Arizona. So um, got a chance to talk to Kobe. I think Kobe's like a, he's a good kid, got a good head on his shoulders, and what we've seen out of him in the NBA is what I expected him to do last year, which he. I didn't see enough of. He's been aggressive at getting his own shot, shooting a three well. Um, I, I think Kobe Simmons is a player. I mean, I, I thought that all along, but I, I think that Memphis did really well to get him undrafted. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not lighting it up, are you saying, right now this year, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's out there doing something. I, I got to get some eyeballs on him. I haven't even really seen him. So we'll have to check that out as we go forward. Um, well, I don't know, Dave. I think we got a lot of um, you know really good stuff answered and some, some some questions solved or answered. What do you say? Yeah, this was a good pod, man. I'm I'm glad to uh, kick the new year off just the right way. Absolutely, and I'm glad we can get this new technology working, which means that we're going to have a lot more coming up with you guys, and we'll be able to bring on guests a lot easier now, and we shouldn't have any more of the Skype freezing BS that used to happen. So really excited. Uh, thank you guys, everyone out there, for some awesome questions, and uh, I can't wait to we'll publish this thing, the first thing bright and early tomorrow morning for everyone on uh, YouTube or on uh, iTunes to listen to and where else, wherever else you do. Any other things you want to uh, shout out before we wrap it up? Nope. I'm good. Right. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Have a hope you had a, a safe one and a somewhat warm one or a warm one if you were around these parts. And um, I don't know. Don't forget, sports fans, the people breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>